Hello! And welcome to the new episode of Dakota Boys Talk Movies. I am Steven. And I am Dakota. And tonight, we are going to talk about the still pretty new movie. <laughs> uh, Mission Impossible Rogue Nation. Alright, anyway. Is there anything, Dakota, that... Uh, you want to talk about before we got into the movie, or do you just want to dive into the movie? Um, well, to kind of give it a context as to what time we are in, as in, I don't mean time of 2015. day. 2015. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, I feel like there is something we should talk about, just because... What is that? Do we need a couch? Do you need to lay down? Just because we talked... <laughs> just because we talked about this when we first started this grand old... Opry. Old mission. <laughs> I'm just going to keep throwing crap at you. All right. Okay. For those of you who uh, have no access to the internet... Uh, Grandma. Wh- <laughs> That's a- amazing. You're listening to a podcast. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Go ahead. I'm going to stop now. No, it's fine. Keep going. Keep going. I-, I just feel like... I don't know. We should do... It's been a while. We should do something. Talk about the news a little bit. Um... Possibly one of the biggest bombs in history went off. Holy cats. <laughs> that is true. Recently, and that just happens to be the Fantastic Four, which... <laughs> the Fantastic Flop. <laughs> yeah, flame out. <laughs> and they can't stretch it any further. It is going to be an invisible movie in a few years, and it's hit rock bottom. Oh! <laughs> Yeah, this uh, stick a fork in this franchise because I believe it is done. Dang, it is done. There is no I. The Fox universe is dead at the starting line. <laughs> Their whole idea of pulling the Fantastic Four and the X Men, if they do that, they're they're silly. They're silly. I think they just need to let this one just die, and I think they need to stick with what they got that works. Oh, just the X Men. And possibly Deadpool. Here is the horrible part, though. I actually was rooting for this movie to be good. <laughs> you were. Now, if any of you are, you know, dire fans of the podcast, you remember that in episode one, we did our five most anticipated movies of the summer. And if you remember, number one on Dakota's list was the Fantastic Four. <laughs> That's true. Oh, but I haven't even seen the movie. I am going to wait until it comes out on DVD. And then I am going to wait until Redbox gives me a free <laughs> rental before I rent it so it, I can watch it. It's just sad. You know, it, it is like, it's one of those things where it, it almost felt like it was doomed from the get-go. It's never good when you're like, you gotta get it, make a movie. You know, we need to make this movie! And then, I don't know. It just And then they pulled in a director who seemed like he maybe wasn't competent. competent. I don't know. It just It just seemed like everything was going against it. Yeah, and there then, seemed to be incompetence from the director, uh, the studio just trying to, to say get make something. You know, we just we'll we'll make money no matter what because it's a comic book movie, which <laughs> that's not even working out for them too well. You think they? And then they went down this this rabbit trail. All these comic movies think they need to go down. Of we need to make it dark and gritty, and they just went too dark. I don't think that was the problem. I think it was just horribleness all around. <laughs> Uh, well, yeah. From the actors to the effects to the story to the director, and of course everyone is pointing fingers at each other. 
Um, I think it was the night this movie was released, the director actually uh, tweeted about how, oh, a year ago I had a better cut of this film. And Which you... is just ridiculous. That's, that's when you know it's like he's just trying to distance himself for, for jobs in the future. And the funny thing is, I think that's like a fallback thing directors do, because um, for those of you who don't know, there was an Exorcist prequel years and years ago. Um, and it was actually, the original movie that was made was so bad, they had to go back and they hired a new director, they did reshoots and all this other stuff, and the first director, all his stuff was just supposedly canned, and when the movie did come out, he tried to say, oh, my version was so much better. Was that, was that the third one? Uh, whatever the... Um, the George was that the the George C Scott one or no? This is they they made a prequel with the father from The Exorcist when he was younger in Africa. Oh, that's right! I forgot with, about that with Stellan Skarsgård. Yes, and that one lady who was a Bond girl <laughs> at one point. Yeah. yeah, I forgot. Oh my gosh! Yeah, crazy. But it it is it's sad because people people had high hopes for this movie, and it's it's just. You let us down, Fox. <laughs> and as for the director, I don't think he's going to be directing another big budget movie I, in quite some time. I think he... It's one of those things where he maybe could have been, like, forgiven, like... Let's try again. But I think he's really... I think he shot himself in his own <laughs> foot. Because the thing that he... As he was putting it into his mouth. The th- yeah, because the thing that he tweeted and then deleted type thing about that, I think that just killed him. I think that just, I, I mean, if I'm a studio head, I'm going to be like, that was really unprofessional. <laughs> I mean, I get it. Even if you're not totally proud of it, that was just really icky. <laughs> Especially to do, not, I mean, it wasn't even that he just did this really close to when the, or when the movie was, he did this, like, right when it was released, and then you're going to act like, you had some secret cut that is like somehow gonna make a poop turd or poop sandwich or whatever be like not a poop sandwich. I mean, yeah, right. <laughs> I think he's he he might be a one hit wonder for a while because it was the director of Chronicle, and that was a hit, which is probably why he got this gig. But I mean, already uh, Lucasfilm has already distanced themselves from this guy because they had him hired to do one of their Star Wars spinoff movies. Yeah. And Kathleen Kennedy wasn't impressed with how he handled this. I don't even know if it was so much that the Fantastic Four was bad. I think she just saw how unprofessional she, she that he was. And I think she started getting wind that some of this turmoil on set wasn't just rumors. Yeah. And so she's like, let's just know. <laughs> you know? Yeah. So it's just kind of interesting. He, he hurt himself pretty bad, I think, in this. Well, from what I heard, he, he was kind of fighting with the studio to get... From the get-go, he... The studio didn't want... Oh, I can't even remember his name. The one that played Mr. Fantastic. Uh, Miles, Miles Teller. Teller. They didn't want him, and I could see why. He is not really a leading man, nor is he any sort of big-budget star. Right. Whiplash worked because... You know, everybody keeps talking about Whiplash, but what are they talking about with Whiplash? J.K. Simmons. Yeah. Not Miles Teller so much. But 
as soon as they were on set, apparently they were fighting all the time. Um, he would, the director would just, you know, when problems would arise, he'd run off and just hide in his trailer. And it was like, wow, wow. I mean, you and me have never directed a movie before, but if we ever get the chance, I hope we don't drop the ball like this. To be fair, I have directed movies. <laughs> they were like 10 minutes long and my wife was in them. <laughs> No comment. <laughs> Whoa, yeah, no. Hey, not that kind of movie. Anyway. Moving on. They're on YouTube, so oh, they're okay. not, like, dirty. Okay. There's one where I'm in love with Cherry Crush. That's my personal oh, favorite. I, I, I remember now. I remember these. I remember a couple of them. Yeah. Anyway, moving on. Uh, yeah, Fantastic Four. Yikes. Um... One that'll live in infamy, and, uh, yeah, will probably be remembered just for being terrible. Apparently, the third time's not the charm, that's all I can say. Fantastic for yikes. Uh, anyway, there's that. Um, we're kind of rounding out the end of summer here, uh, but there are... S- quite a few movies kind of on the horizon for the rest of this year that there's some that are looking to actually be not terrible. Um, and that's even before uh, Oscar bait season. There's even some movies that are looking to be not terrible. So it's kind of exciting to see how some of those will work out. Hopefully they'll work out. But tonight, um, like I said, we're going to be talking about a movie that was supposed to come out this Christmas. And they actually pushed to summer... And that, yeah, that's Mission Impossible Rogue Nation, and so I think we'll get into that here tonight. Can we? We can. All right, let's get to it then. So, I think first and foremost, just just looking at it as a whole, I would say a lot of people are kind of worried about them pushing it forward, but it didn't seem undone. I mean, it seemed like a oh. finished movie. You know, because a lot of people go, oh, they're moving it up from it's supposed to be Christmas. It's probably going to be, like, rushed and not... But it was a nice, polished, everything f- was there movie. It wasn't Amazing Spider-Man 2, where it was really <laughs> choppy and messed up. Um, so, I mean, just just that. Everything was there. Um, as far as acting, about what you'd expect out of a Mission Impossible movie, and that's not, and that's not a knock. I thought everybody seemed to be... Everyone showed up with their A game. Yeah, everybody was, everybody, like, Tom Cruise was who you expected him to be, and he played it well. Um, Simon Pegg actually is probably the most impressive to me in this movie, just because, even though he still was, in a sense, quote-unquote, comic relief, I felt like he got to have a little more depth to his character than he's had in previous installments, where he got to do more than just be comic relief, and you got to see a little bit more of acting out of him that you usually don't get to see. He doesn't really get a chance to show because he's usually doing his own silly <laughs> movies that he makes. Or uh, in Star Trek, he's basically comic relief too, in a way, which is kind of too bad because he's Scotty, and Scotty wasn't comic relief in the show, really. I guess kind of in the movies they made... The original Scotty, they kind of made into a comic relief in the movies a little bit. Pretty much everyone with an accent was comic relief in Star Trek. yeah. Well, and, the, and which is funny, because the point of Star Trek was to you were supposed to have, like, this international group of people because the world is at peace. 
And so that was why they had so many different people like that. Well, the the thing is, they kind of took a couple jokes that were spread out throughout the movies and just kind of beat them to death. I mean, what is it? Uh, Star Trek Four: The Voyage Home. I think Chekhov says nuclear vessels maybe three times, and then... Nuclear, yeah. <laughs> nuclear vessels. And then uh, Scotty has a moment where he tries talking into the mouse. <laughs> and then he, they told me he has to use the keyboard, and he's like, how quaint. And then he just starts typing like a thousand <laughs> miles an hour. <laughs> but then they just they just took these like random jokes and just like, oh, we're going to beat him to death in, in the first movie. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, so it was just nice to see Simon Pegg kind of reach in, and uh, how'd you feel about the premise of this movie? The premise of this movie, I guess, was, um, actually, that's why I wanted to talk to you about the premise of this movie, Dakota, because I felt like, it seems like every Mission Impossible has a similar premise just rewrapped in new paper. Do you kind of feel that? Yeah. This one, honestly, was didn't go down the way I thought it was. In the trailer for this movie, they kind of implied that, oh, these these bad guys are the syndicators everywhere, and they're hunting us down like dogs and killing us. <laughs> yeah. And that's really not the case. No, in fact, uh, I, I was really excited after starting this movie because the trailer didn't really give anything away. Yeah, that's always a plus. Yeah. I mean, you know, in the trailer, you had the ding. Ding, 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 ding. And they just kept like flashing things, and you knew that was gonna mean something, and you knew that was gonna mean something, and you knew he was gonna jump on this, and you knew they were gonna run there. But you didn't quite, it, they didn't put it so much together that it wrecked it. And so, when you're watching the movie, even if you did see the trailer, man, I thought this movie had some pretty. In, it was a moving movie. Yeah. They were all over the place, and. There was a lot of action set pieces of kind of chase scenes. I don't know. Did you think they did those well, or did you just kind of feel like, oh, here we go, they're gonna go fast again or something? Um, no, I liked it. It was it was a nice change of pace. It wasn't the action in this movie wasn't. I keep coming back to this, but the last Fast and the Furious movie, the action was just way way too over over the top. It it was almost borderline cartoony. Sure. Whereas this one, it actually, it was all kind of practical and, like, more real. Any Yeah, and even if it wasn't practical, they made it feel... Oh, yeah. Pra- I mean, even the fight scenes, like, they made you kind of wince. Like, you kind of hurt with them. And, and I, I think it was just a combination of the editing with the sound effects. Or it was like, I don't know, when, he, when anybody got hit, you felt the hit. When somebody got whooshed... <laughs> Whatever sound effect you want to use, you felt, you kind of felt it. And so I thought, I thought that was really good. But at the same time, you always need to ask yourself, was I so wrapped up in that that the story didn't make any sense? What do you think? Did the story make sense? Did that work out for you? Uh, it was pretty easy to follow. Um, oh. The story was basically... It, it gets kind of complicated. It, it's really hard to... I mean, this isn't like saying that you didn't understand it. It's just like it's hard to explain. Yeah, it's, but, just, it's one of those movies like Inception. You can't really explain it in a couple sentences. Yeah, and base, basically what it is is 
there's this group rising up that are basically their own organization, but they're not really a terrorist group. They're just like a very they have organized. Yeah. They're a very organized group that gets you know that gets the work done and are basically trying to control things going on in the world for their own gain, really. And even though they're kind of hurting people, why they're different than, than the Irish terrorists is they don't just want to necessarily blow everything up. They just want to have control. And so Tom Cruise, his character Ethan Hunt, is really one of the only people in the world that seems to believe they exist because he's been trying to hunt them down. And he can't get the IMF or any of America to be on his side. And so he almost has to, in a way, go at it himself to prove that they're real. And then things just kind of take off from there. Yeah, he has to go rogue. Yeah, it's a rogue nation. (laughs) It's kind of, there's a double meaning to rogue because he goes rogue. But then also this organization is really a rogue organization. And so there's kind of like a double meaning to why it was called that. And so, yeah, that was that's why it's called Rogue Nation. Um, but yeah, did you feel like... So you felt like the story wasn't like convoluted or what the heck is going on at No, I actually point? thought it was, it was uh, fairly easy to follow. One thing I liked about this movie, which it seems like they don't really they're not really paying attention to these days is there was actually some pacing to this movie. Like before, before the action scenes there were, there was build up to that. There's a, there's a scene where, where Tom Cruise's character is looking for an assassin in this theater, opera house, whatever you want to call it. And it actually kind of like gets you like to pay attention and focus on things. And I thought that was, I thought that was cool because it, it drew you in. It, right, yeah. Uh, I thought, and I think what helped with this one kind of feel a little tighter with the story is that the director of it also wrote it, but that doesn't mean anything. But the guy who directed it, Christopher McQuarrie, started as a screenwriter and just started getting into directing with, I believe, Jack Reacher was maybe his directorial debut, which is where he works with Tom Cruise, yeah. which is where I'm guessing Tom asked him to direct this, you know, as I'm assuming what happened there. Which um, actually wasn't a bad movie, I'll add. I'm not gonna lie. Uh, <laughs> Jack Reacher was a lot better than it should or could have been. It wasn't great, but it was solid for what it was. And that's why I kind of went into this one going, well, okay, we'll see. You know, just because I knew it was like the Jack Reacher guy getting back together with Tom Cruise. <laughs> but this one, yeah, just kind of was definitely a step up uh from there but if any of you have seen usual suspects you know that that has a really interesting kind of unwinding of a spool story and that's who that's christopher mccrory's kind of claim to fame is that he wrote usual suspects and uh and so yeah he is kind of so what was interesting about this movie was it kind of brought all the best elements of the other mission impossibles where yeah, Brian De Palma kind of made more of like a thriller. John Woo had just ridiculous action, <laughs> and then J.J. Abrams tried to bring a little bit more emotion to it. And I felt like this one was a pretty good mixture of all of those, where you had kind of the psychological thriller in a way with Ethan Hunt, you know, like trying to figure out is he just obsessed, you know, or does you know, and that element, and then you had really great action. 
And then you also had, uh, you know, just the emotions of the friendships within the story and, and how they feel about each other and, and trust and trust issues and things like that. So, yeah, it just felt like it had kind of the best elements of some of the previous installments. You know, just started to build on that. So. Which, it all came together pretty well. Yeah, they're really... There's no, I mean, it's one of those things where I suppose if you went back and watched it a few more times, you might find like, and I mean, and you gotta remember, let's remind you once again, let's bring you back down to earth. This was a Mission Impossible movie, and any of you who know that know that they're on an impossible mission, and so there is always like certain things that basically come down to dumb luck. In fact, they're even self-aware of that in this movie where it's pointed out that maybe they rely a little too much on dumb luck. And so, I mean, that's the thing. When you're watching a, a Mission Impossible movie, you're you're going into it knowing there's going to be that little bit of level of, okay, yeah, could he really, you know, hold whatever that long or, or throw that just right? You know, I mean, there are, but but again... It isn't to this excessive level, like Dakota's talking about some movies, where it's like so far that it's silly. You never felt like anything in this movie was silly. Would mm. you agree with that? Yep, I would definitely agree with that. And so, I mean, you know, that helps. And it's just crazy how Tom Cruise is now in his 50s, and and he can still be this level of action star... And you know, be doing his own stunts still, and uh, he's just he's just bringing more of the bringing more to the fight that fifty uh, is the new thirty. <laughs> no, the guy's just crazy. He's a nut. I think um, he sold his soul to the devil. I think we should. I should think we should look into. He's like Dorian Gray or something. <laughs> I think he made a Faustian bargain somewhere <laughs> along the lines, and that's why he ha- hasn't. Obviously, he's aged since the first Mission Impossible. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, any. When, when, when you call, because Tom Cruise, in a way, you can call him ageless, and I think why you call him that is because he doesn't look as old as he should, and yet, obviously, he's still aged, but, you know, it's just amazing how good he still looks, like, Rob Lowe is the same way, it's just like, holy crap, you know, that guy's almost 50 years old, and he still, you know, he still looks so young, you know. And then there's Russell Crowe, who just... (laughs) His age, like... That's why he could play Noah. <laughs> That's why in, in a matter of 15 years, you can go from Gladiator in the Coliseum to Old Man Noah. <laughs> yeah, he definitely pulled off Jarrell well. I will give him that. Yeah, that's right. He's Jarrell, too, the ultimate dad. So... Which is also kind of a ripoff of the story of Noah, so he kind of... Oh, anyway. <laughs> A little bit. Um, but yeah, as far... I, I mean, as far as Mission Impossible goes, um, all I can say is, obviously, if you like the other ones, yeah, probably gonna like this one. But I think... I'm gonna go out on a limb here and say I think this was just a good movie overall. And the fact that this movie stands alone, it doesn't... I like the fact that it doesn't require you to view the other ones to enjoy this one. Right. There's always, like, that, you know, the things that kind of cross over. But 
they do it in a James Bondian type way. Is James Bondian a word? I just made it a word. Where you can just kind of jump in anywhere and appreciate it for what it is. You know? Yeah. And although these new James Bonds are doing what the old James Bonds never did and have more carryover, <laughs> yeah. the James Bonds used to have barely any carryover. At the end, he was like, I'm in love with only you, with some lady. In the next movie, that lady doesn't even exist. <laughs> so, whereas in these new ones, there's like a little bit more carryover with these Daniel Craig Bonds. But yeah, these Mission Possible in the same boat where not enough carries over where you're going to be like, what does that mean? Or, who's that? Why am I here? Oh, the funniest thing tonight when we saw this movie is there was a lady across from us that during the credits asked, was this a true story or was this based on real events? Or I can't remember how she put it. And I'm just like, don't laugh. <laughs> to uh, put this in context, we saw the trailer for the movie Revenant tonight. And right bef- right at the end of that trailer, it, ha- it had the tagline, based on true events. And there was the preview for that Benghazi movie. Yeah. And and I think she just kind of had this assumption that since the trailers we saw were based on true events, <laughs> then we were at a movie that was based on true events. But what scared me was she thought this movie was based on true events. I'm just going to go back to it. It still scared me <laughs> that she thought it was based maybe on Maybe she felt, maybe she took a nap between that and the start of the movie, so she thought they were... All she saw was Tom Cruise was a government agent, and he did a good job at the end or something, and so it must be true. <laughs> yeah, who knows? I don't know. Maybe maybe weird. she was focused on something else. Yeah, like... there. this was... Quite a trailer fest at this. Uh, there were a lot. There's a lot of true events movies coming out the rest of this year. Oscar bait. There's always so many true event movies. That's what they use for Oscar bait. Now. Yeah, we got uh, we got Black Mask coming out here. Mass, not mask. Yeah, we got uh, Whitey Ma- Bulger. Uh, another another uh, crime movie. Legend. Yes. Legends. Or is it Legend? I think it's Legend about the yeah Legend. Those those twin brothers who were. Kind of crime bosses. Then, then there's Revenant. Yes, the new movie from Alejandro Inuratu. <laughs> I don't know how you say his like Inuratu. Inuratu. He made Birdman. I'm just gonna say that it's easier to say. Amazing movie. Amazing movie. Haven't seen it. Um, but yeah, he made Birdman, and this is his new. It's like Frontiers. I don't know. They look like fur traders or fur trappers. Yeah. Um, then they get attacked by those by those pesky natives. <laughs> Coming out of the woodwork with their it's bows funny, and arrows. It's funny you say that, because <laughs> there's this old Gumby, where Gumby and Pokey go into a book, and they call the Indian place the Pesky Indian, and they're, they call them Pesky Indians. That was like the name of them. Like, those Pesky Indians, it's like, oh my gosh, this is so dated and terrible. <laughs> Oh, man. It's one of those things where, yeah, we live in a very sensitive world, but that is terrible. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. Institutionalized racism. <laughs> what yeah. you say? We're teaching the kids young with Gumby. So, yeah, there were just uh, some interesting... We should probably get back on top. Interesting <laughs> trailers there. But as far as Mission Impossible goes, like I said, great action movie. Uh, like we were saying, everyone... Okay, and uh, that uh, 
there was a new person in this, of course. This Rebecca Ferguson. She's the female femme fatale, I guess you could call her. You weren't sure what to think of her. That's true. You know what? She was actually... And she was pretty good. Yeah, you... I believed her. <laughs> <laughs> Should never, never believe. Anyway. Yeah. I forgot where I was going with that, but anyway. Anyway, she's kind of just kind of starting to come out of the woodwork as a new aspiring act- actress. I think she had a TV show on... Uh, I can't remember which channel it was. Where she, it was called The White Queen. Yeah, the uh, CW? Was that a CW show? Oh, yeah. Okay. With uh, Mary Queen of Scots is the... Wait, was that was that Mary Queen of Scots? Are you thinking of Rain? There's a show called Rain on CW. You know what? There are so many so many Game of Thrones knockoffs out there. I can't keep them straight. Well, it's, it's almost Tudor's knockoffs is what those are. Anyway, she kind of got... I think that was kind of her foot in the door for being noticed was the show White Queen. And then, uh... She did a lot of physical work in this, so I almost thought maybe she was... I don't know. Led me to believe she was trained in martial arts somewhere. Or she just had a really good trainer, I guess. I don't know. All I know is she's... I think she was Swedish. She's Swedish. Originally. I find it funny that her character... She is. She's from Sweden. But her mom is British. (laughs) I looked her up. (laughs) So... But yeah, she was good. She was good at playing the the main girl in it. Um, the main woman. Main woman. I'm sorry if I offended any females out there. I I say girl and I don't mean it in a ba- you know like in a bad way. It just comes out that way. I just say guys. To be fair, I don't know if I ever say men. So if you're like offended because I say men and girls, I don't. <laughs> it's okay. There's very few men around. <laughs> these days they're his they're they're just older boys and that's included in here there's no men just dakota boys <laughs> so um so anyway yeah it was i mean in the last movie i thought paula Patton was fine as a female lead i thought she she did a good job in that in that movie, although I'm kind of wondering if maybe they didn't bring her back because of the whole Robin Thicke thing, <laughs> where he's like, Paula, I want you back! <laughs> and then she's like too much in the... Of course, how can you have somebody not be in your movie because they're too much in the news when your headliner is Tom Cruise, <laughs> who was Mr. Tabloid for how many years? But he, and he's, was punching Oprah and whatever. <laughs> I think he's... I think he kind of got a hold of himself and is like, hey, what was I thinking? Yeah, because he's he's toned there, it, he's toned it down a lot with him and his. I don't want to say crazy cult religion, but I'm going to. <laughs> he has toned it down. Um, unfortunately, it's after going, you know, divorcing his second wife that he toned it down. But yeah, he he does seem to tone it down, and honestly, he's one of the few in Hollywood you can literally call. A movie star, in all aspects of the word, because I think in order to be a true movie star, he's not just famous for the sake of being famous. He's also uh, proven himself to be have some chops in yeah. in, in movies. In movies, I mean, uh, 
You know, he's I, done dramatic roles. He's done some comedy. In fact, in this new Mission Impossible, he did a few comedic parts that were like reminded me of how he can be funny, and he can just kind of kind of do it all. He's like a true oh, yeah. movie star. And I think I think that's how he was able to kind of let let's be clear here. Uh, Edge of Tomorrow, which came out last summer, was actually a really good movie. Yeah, in, in the hands of say Chris Hemsworth. Would that have movie have had the same? Would it have been as good? Would it have had the same impact? I've thought about that. I thought about because you know my think my thinking of that movie is I was like, man, this movie is really overlooked, even though it had Tom Cruise. And I was thinking about that. I put somebody else in the lead of that movie, and I don't think it would have been as good. Yeah, he he definitely has like that raw charisma that that kind of just makes you want to pay attention to him. And, yeah, and. It's weird, because I really don't want to like him, <laughs> but, you know, in movies like this, I do. I do like him. And, and to be fair, um, Emily Blunt was really good in Edge of Tomorrow, yeah. too. Um, I mean, there, I thought there was a really good 50-50 there with those two. But the other thing that was interesting about Edge of Tomorrow is how he proved himself, was that um, he wasn't just a full-fledged action star in that movie. He had to be kind of the weaselly coward yeah, at first. Which and, he pulled off amazingly. Yeah, I hated him. At the beginning of that movie, <laughs> I hate he was a little weasel. Granted, maybe it was because I've just wanted to hate Tom Cruise, and gosh darn it, I just can't. Um, but yeah, he was, I mean, there he saw a little bit of his chops too that, like I said, don't come out that much just because he gets a little bit typecast, maybe by his own doing because he likes to do all his own stunts because he's crazy. Um, which he does some pretty crazy stuff in this Mission Impossible movie. Um, but, yeah, just has a charisma about him. And uh, whether he overly controls his movies or not being a producer, I don't know. You know, you always hear like little things about he runs a tight ship, but he's making it work. He's making it work. And uh, it's another good movie. I chalk this up as another good movie, and... I don't know. Have you heard anything? Is this supposed to be... Is there already plans for another Mission Impossible? Or will this finally be it? Oh, man. I'm sure there are plans somewhere. <laughs> There's plans somewhere. It would be kind of interesting if somehow they... I hate to use this word because it can go really bad really quick. But, you know, they could kind of have a spin-off world. Oh, yeah. You know, with... Because Tom Cruise... How much longer can he actually pull off being an active agent where you're like, how can this guy still be an active agent? He's old. I always wondered if that's why, um, you know, they kind of brought in the last movie, they brought in some younger actors to kind of, to kind of surround him with. Well, they did that in Mission Impossible 3, too, if you remember, they had uh, Maggie Q. Yeah, that's uh, right. Jonathan Reese Myers, or however you say his name. Bryce Myers. Yeah. And they had them in 3, and then they did it again. And, yeah, Ghost Protocol, they brought in kind of these younger people. And, you know, you're kind of like, well, is Jeremy Renner, you know, is he going to be like, you know, like what he did with the Jason Bourne series? <laughs> no, step in, who knows. But, yeah, I mean, there are places they could go, even when Tom Cruise can't go anymore. <laughs> I don't know. Um, but, anyway, yeah. Wouldn't that, wouldn't that be amazing if he decided to just have his character killed in, in a movie just to just so he never had to came back? Cause it could happen. So many, so many. You know, when they when they do do that kind of handoff thing, it's like, oh, I'm gonna retire. Yeah, it's a <laughs> cheeky, a cheeky little shake a hand, wink at him, and walk <laughs> out the door. 
I know what you mean. It's Vin Diesel. He was okay with being dead, but they're bringing him <laughs> back in Triple X: oh. Return of Xander Cage. Oh, good lord! Because he was like, "Just kill me." <laughs> And uh, he was actually just, actually, the reason he said that was, hey, hey, Vin, do you want to do another uh, triple X? And he's like, oh my gosh, just kill me. But he was just kind of moaning to himself, but they literally <laughs> thought they wanted, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I think we'll wrap up the show, but uh, I'm giving Mission Impossible. See it theaters if you can. Um, but just see it. Fun movie, action movie. Got a little bit of intensity. And yet it's not so heavy that you're going to need to watch like Looney Tunes afterwards to recover <laughs> anything or an episode of The Office or whatever you use to recover after. Copious amounts of alcohol. <laughs> I wouldn't recommend that, but... Uh, That's that is, what some people do, man. Some people do it. Um, Dakota, where you stand? I am giving this movie two thumbs up. All right. I give it three thumbs up, but I don't have three thumbs uh, two thumbs and two big toes. <laughs> there you go. So, yeah. so the Two Dakota... thumbs way up. <laughs> two... Way up. Dude, the... two thumbs way, way up. Uh, <laughs> um, so, there you go. That's uh, that's what the Dakota Boys think of it. Um, the rest is up to you. you got to decide what you think of it. Um, so, yeah. Remember that we are on Facebook, Twitter. If you haven't subscribed to us through youtube or one of your podcasty ways we encourage you to do that it just helps us get a feel of what you guys are using throw feedback on there if there's something you want us to review new or old um go for it we're junkies we like movies so yeah throw it our way throw something our way come on man <laughs> hit us with your best shot <laughs> so yeah i hope you uh, uh keep up with us on those things we like to post different things about Whatever news happens to come up, I just posted something on there the other day about how they're actually making a Beetlejuice 2. Uh, oh, good lord. Yeah, and I that's what I wrote. I'm like, so how do we feel about this? And and uh, it was written, somebody wrote, uh, how did they put it? Is nothing sacred anymore? No, they, no, they put something like, did we even want the first one? I thought that was funny because it's kind of how I felt. But anyway... You know, we like to post things on there and just see if you guys will uh, throw something back at us. So, anyway, uh, let's close the show out here. This is Steven. This is Dakota. And we'll see you later.